Please open the Word of God to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. The Lord impressed this subject and this text and select words in this text on me very definitely about two weeks ago in the middle of the night out of a deep sleep. Bam! I don't tell you about my visions. I don't tell you about my dreams. But when God impresses Scripture upon me, I will tell you about that Scripture. And so today you hear about this Scripture and what He said to me in the night, by hitting me out of the clear blue sky, I had not read this chapter before I went to bed. But He gave me these words. And so I read to you Genesis chapter 17 in the first verse only. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou perfect. I am the almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou perfect. I'll explain the verse in two sermons. And many other verses the Lord willing will add to it. The almighty God revealed himself to Abraham, and said, let's have a relationship together by you walking before me and you being perfect like I'm perfect. And then he goes on to describe the blessings that he's going to give this man for walking before him and being perfect. There's a covenant of circumcision later in this chapter, and that was part of Abraham's perfection. There's a promise of Sarah giving birth, which is part of God's blessing on this Abraham But it starts out with these words. And brethren, my words are insufficient to fully and properly express the words of God. But the words of God are these. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou perfect. This is a king saying, I want you in my court. This is a creator saying, I want you in my presence. Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. We have two couples getting married in the next few weeks. I tell each of you, and I say this kindly and respectfully, I tell each of you young fools, This is the only relationship that is going to sustain and truly help you. It is your relationship with God. To the degree that you will make this relationship the most important relationship in your life, you will be happy and productive. Your soul will dwell at ease and God will bless you and your seed. If you make this relationship the most important relationship in your life, your spouse will be much better than they really are. 
It will give you rose-colored glasses, if it were, of this life, if you'll make the Lord the love of your life. It is true that Paul would write in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9, that it is more important that we are known of God than that we know God. I will grant that. The Bible says that the foundation of God standeth sure, the Lord knoweth them that are His. But we are not going to go to sleep on those verses. Like many that hold the doctrine of God's predestinating grace go to sleep on such verses. Because the vast majority of the Bible is describing us seeking God's face, not going to sleep on the fact that He knows our face. So let us keep that in mind. The lesson is very simple. My point is so simple this morning in the first assembly and in the second. But your flesh that's with you right now and the world outside these walls and Satan is going to hinder you by their combined might from walking with God. Do not get distracted with the details. Remember the lesson. All you need to do To get the benefit of what God gave me in the night and what I've prepared for you for this morning is to go out of here with a greater God consciousness than when you arrived. That's all you need to do. And as you go through the rest of this day that you will have a greater God consciousness about every thought, about every word, and about every choice that you make. That you will be conscious that you are walking before God as God called Abraham to do. I am... The Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect. Brethren, he gave me his word in the night. I woke with a start. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. Lord, what does this mean? It means know me and reflect me. That's what I give you. And that's all I have. Know me and reflect me. Your life is worthless. The CO2 that you exhale is a crime. It pollutes our world. Your presence in the house of God is a presumption. Without what I'm talking to you about. When you walk with God... He delights in your way, and He will teach you in the way that He'll choose for you. His countenance is smiling upon you. When you choose to draw nigh unto Him, He will draw nigh unto you. Brethren, you do not need a six-sermon series on how to draw nigh to God. You need a reminder from God's Word and by the prodding of His Spirit in your soul to walk out of here and seek His face. Because if you will seek his face with some of the basic efforts that you would seek the face of any other man, that God will draw nigh unto you. You'll soon meet God whether you want to or not. But when you meet him, you're going to wish that you had known him here. Let's know him here and now. And so that when we meet him, it will just be one grand reunion with the Lord. Our first father, Adam, presumptuously lost his relationship with God and did not seek to repair it. 
and the consequences in his life and the consequences in the lives of all men and the eternal destiny of all men because of it is most overwhelming. Would to God he had run out of those trees and fallen at the feet of Almighty God and begged for his mercy. But he didn't. I will leave it in the mind, the infinite mind of Almighty God as to what he would have done in such a circumstance. That is not important. The point is, why didn't he? Because you and I have a a nature that rebels against the presence and the friendship of God. It fights against it at all times. It will scratch and claw in your life to find any little thing that you need to do rather than go in your closet and have a private experience with God. It will find anything for you to do. From cutting the grass to moving one piece of paper on your desk. I know it. I feel better than anyone. Your flesh hates the presence of God and so we hide in the trees and we sow ourselves fig leaves and we blame God for the troubles in our lives like Adam did. But let's be like Abraham. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. There's three clauses in my text. The only part of my text that I'm worried about right now. Oh, let me point out something. It says that Abraham was 99 years old. His name wasn't Abraham yet. It's, it's being changed here to Abraham. It's Abram, but he was 99. Does that mean anything to you? It means this, that God had first spoken to him in Ur of the Chaldees 24 years earlier. When did God first speak aggressively to you, young brother? I love his word. Abraham had chosen to follow God for 24 years. He had no children by Sarah. He had no children at all until Ishmael was born in the previous chapter in the last few verses. He wanted to make Eliezer the steward of his house, his heir. He had no place to live. 24 years. I... And the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Are you discouraged after 24 years that he hasn't done more with you or to you? Abraham could have been discouraged. I am the Almighty God. Keep on walking before me and be thou perfect. And things started to happen. He had Isaac. And he had Sarah for another 37 years, the old woman. He thought she was old at 90. He had her for a long time. The Lord blessed him abundantly. There are three clauses here. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. The living and true God fills heaven and earth, but he introduced himself again to Abraham. Abraham had known him for 24 years. But do you know that even in a life of a man like Abraham who invented and named a place called Bethel. The place of God, because that's where he worshipped God. And the Lord received his worship. And the Lord talked to him. Abraham had a close relationship with God. And yet, there is a time in each of our lives where we need to hear the words, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou perfect. The reminder is necessary to all of us. 
Because we get discouraged and disillusioned, we get distracted by this world, we get diverted from our real purpose in life. And our real purpose in life is to be so God-conscious that we are walking before Him. Brethren, I am walking before Him while I speak to you, and you are walking before Him while you listen to me. And together we are walking before Him right now. He is the Almighty God. Let us walk before Him and let us be perfect. Let us know Him and let us reflect Him. That is the simple lesson. Let us go out of this place today speaking to God more while you drive. Speaking to God more while you lie in your bed. Speaking to God more while you do everything through life, knowing that you're doing it before Him. I am the Almighty God. There's so much written of Abraham. We can look at, we can look through the chapters of Genesis 12 through 25 and see God's blessing upon him. But right smack dab in the middle of all those chapters, 24 years after God had called him, now listen to this one, and 76 years before he would ever die, yes, he had a decent life, 175 years. Right here, God reminds him that he is the Almighty God, and that he had singled Abraham out on the earth, and he wanted Abraham to walk before him and to be perfect. I'm going to pass over all the things I'd like to show you from these chapters from 12 to 25 in two respects. First of all, God's blessing upon Abram. Second, Abram's delight and love in the Lord. And Abraham's weaknesses that are recorded for your comfort, that when you have weaknesses... You know you're in the good company with Abraham, who was still called the friend of God. Did Abraham show his weakness in Genesis chapter 12 by telling Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, that Sarah was his sister? Did he have the same weakness over again in Genesis chapter 20 by telling King Abimelech the same thing, that Sarah was his sister? Did the poor man have weakness by telling God, when am I going to have a seed, I'm going to make this Eliezer my heir, when God had told him that he and his seed would inherit everything that he could see. This man had such weakness that he listened to his wife in discouragement say, since I can't give you a child, why don't you go in and sleep with Hagar tonight, and maybe I can get a child by her. He went ahead and did it. And what a messed up situation he created. Abraham did that, but I want to remind you, He was still the friend of God. He is still written about more by the Apostle Paul than any other ten men combined. In the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians, in the book of Hebrews, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. By James, James chapter 2, Abraham. Yes. There are so many things that we can learn. But he says, walk before me, as you have been doing. Abraham has been walking with God. He's been worshiping God. God's been talking to him. But God exhorts him to continue doing it and not to be discouraged by his life or that his timetable wasn't matching up with God's timetable. Walk before me as you have been, Abraham. Keep your very God-conscious life. God-conscious means to be thinking about God when you get up in the morning. It means to be thinking about God as you go through the day. It means to be thinking about God when you are blessed 
knowing it comes from His hand. It means to be thinking about God when you are afraid, knowing that He can deliver and protect you. It is to be God conscious. Walk before me. A lifestyle that pleases God because you know you're in His sight. Seeking and appreciating God's presence. This is what it means. By total faith and dependence upon God, according to God's commandments that you already have and ones that I will show you. Because there were commandments coming in chapter 17 that Abraham had never heard of before. Like circumcision. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I'm going to ask some things of you and I'm going to do some things for you. Because both of them are part of walking before the Lord and walking with the Lord. Through trials and troubles, if we're walking before the Lord, we know that He sees all good and evil. We know that He sees our enemies are many. Did we read that in Psalm 25? He sees that we are weak. He knows when our hearts and the troubles of our hearts are enlarged. He sees and knows all that. I will be with you through it all, and I will help you to overcome it all. Get up in the morning and know that I am with thee. Get up in the morning and know that I am watching thee. Get up in the morning and know that I am waiting. I will help thee. Walk before me. Because you're here this morning, because you believe this word, God is speaking to each of you. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. All I want you to take away is not details, but this cry. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Know God and reflect God. First assembly, know God. Second assembly, reflect God. Go out of this place today and be doing it in your heart right now. Lord God, my relationship with you has not been what it should have been. I am too distracted and diverted and caring about the foolish things of this life that in their best state are altogether a soap bubble to be popped. Your presence is all that I desire. You are my my portion in heaven or in earth. There is none that I desire beside thee. Psalm 73. That is what you want to take out of here. You want to thank the Lord for the beautiful day that we have outside. You want to thank the Lord for the sunshine of the Lord Jesus Christ in this universe. He is the Lamb that lights up with the glory The presence of heaven. You want to thank the Lord for His words. You want to delight in His works. And you want to praise Him for them. You want to speak of Him to others. You want to tell Him you love Him. I hope that there are none of you that go to bed at night without telling the Almighty God that you love Him. There is one being that you need to whisper sweet nothings to more than anyone else. And it's the God of heaven. And those words are not nothings in his ears. Those words are music to his ears and he will draw nigh to that man. Do you delight in him? Is he the joy? Look at chapter 15. Since you're sitting here in the book of Genesis, look at chapter 15 and verse 1. Abraham had just defeated four confederate kings with 318 trained servants and a couple buddies of his from the land of Canaan. And it says in verse 15 and verse 1 of chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, 
and thy exceeding great reward. What exactly does that verse mean? It means after the terrible battle of chapter 14 and the 10% loss of everything given in tithe to God through Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, God came to him to remind him of two things. Don't you be afraid that you had to go up against four kings with only 318 trained servants. I am thy shield. Don't worry about the 10% you gave to Melchizedek. I am thy exceeding great reward. Not just I am thy reward, and not just I am thy great reward. I am thy exceeding great reward. This is the relationship God had with Abram before we get to chapter 17 and verse 1. I want to teach you and remind you this morning of these simple facts. God is knowable. When we think about God being the creator of the universe and being infinite by every measure, infinite by every measure, time and space, wisdom and understanding, He's infinite. He fills heaven and earth. How can He be known by us who are very limited in time, very limited in space, and most limited in wisdom and understanding? How can He be known by us? Because God is knowable. The deists are wrong. The deists are those, like some of the founding fathers of our nation, that understood God to simply be a creator that made things and put them in motion, but that He is not personally involved, nor can you have a relationship with Him. But the God of the Bible is knowable. You can, and not only can you have a relationship with Him, you should have a relationship with Him. You must, or you will waste your life. You will waste your life in your own soul, and you will waste your life to others. Eliphaz would remind Job, acquaint now thyself with him. Don't you love that text? Acquaint now thyself with him. How do we get acquainted with God? We admire his works. We read his word. And we ask for his spirit to reveal himself to us. We acquaint ourselves with God. You know what the rest of that verse says, don't you? And be at peace. And thereby good shall come unto thee. Do you want the good life? You start with acquainting yourself with God. God is knowable. The infinite can be known by the finite. The very finite. And the very infinite. The gulf is as wide as I can make it. But God is knowable. He is not watching from a distance. He is able to give peace. And He is able to bring prosperity And he rewards righteous seekers. Chapter 27 of Psalms. Psalm 27. I shall not be long. This is not complicated. This is a reminder from the Lord to us. Like he gave Abram a reminder after 24 years. Like he gave Abram a reminder in 17.1. Even though he had said those wonderful things in 15.1. 17.1 is another reminder. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Let's have a relationship. I am the Almighty God. I introduce myself again to you. You walk before me. 
Know that I see everything that you do and I will be with you. I will bless you and I will take care of you and be thou perfect for I am perfect and I want you to be perfect like me. I don't need to preach for five minutes on the word perfect. Go ahead and believe anything you want about it. Because there's no one in here that believes in Christian perfection. But you know that if you confess your sins, he is able to make you perfect like that. And we continue to walk on perfectly before God. That's why I mentioned a few of Abraham's. So that you wouldn't be discouraged. This man was the friend of God. In Psalm 27 and verse 8 it says, this is David's response. When thou saidst, seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. If you say to me, God hasn't said that to me. God is saying it to you right now. God is saying it to you right now. Brethren, I was dead asleep. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. What do you mean? Know me and reflect me. Poor Sherry. You wouldn't believe what happened to me last night. Now, I don't tell you my dreams. This is no dream. I'm not giving you anything but the Word of God. All I got was the Word of God. If I get more than that, you don't even need to wait till after to see me. Stand up and say, we ain't here to hear dreams. And start reading Jeremiah 23 to me from beginning to end. What are dreams compared to my word? What is the chaff compared to the wheat? Is what the Bible says. But I want you to know, don't you say God hasn't said that to me. He says it throughout every page of this Bible. Every page of this Bible. Adam, where art thou? He's saying, Matthew, where art thou? He's saying, Jonathan, where art thou today? So what should we say? Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Thank you, Almighty God, for coming to me and reminding me again that you seek a relationship with me and that you want me to walk before you and to seek your face, that you will be my God That you are my father by redemption. But you will be my father in practice. If I will draw nigh to you, you will draw nigh to me. Lord, I draw nigh to you this day. Do not let me lose the significance of this moment that you are calling me to walk with you. I will walk with you. Help me walk with you. Give me your spirit to walk with you better. Lead me in your word. Teach me thy ways. Forgive me my sins. Walk with me. I want to spend my life with you. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Whatever I have, inside and out, whatever I am, whatever I do, it's yours, Lord. Let me walk before you. Help me to be perfect. Today. Right now. God made you with a capacity to know Him. You're in the book of Psalms. Turn one page to Psalm 32. Or two pages if you've got a large print Bible. Psalm 32. Let me remind you about those little pets you have at home. Psalm 32 and verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Intelligent of an animal 
as a horse, you still have to put a piece of metal against his lips and get yourself the leverage of 36 inches of leather so that you can make him do what he you want him to do and so he doesn't bite you. But we are not like that. God wouldn't mention dogs and pigs because they're not as smart as a horse. Nowhere in the Bible does he elevate them to the level of a horse. Those animals have no understanding. The moment they die, their spirit is back in the earth. There is no spirit. There is no conscience. There is nothing in them. Nothing at all. They have no understanding, period. They have nothing but base, brute instincts. And whenever men, listen to this, brethren, and I have so many verses, but you're going to have to wait and look them up yourself. And I don't care because I'm not going to distract you today. You're going to go home with one thought. I want to be more God conscious. God spoke to me today from Genesis 17.1, and I want to repeat it and memorize it as many times as the pastor did in his sermon. And in case you get caught up, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I'm not going to let you catch up. He spoke to me so audibly with that verse. I hadn't read the verse. I hadn't read it in a long time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us again by your word. Thank you for giving us capacity. The Bible tells us that whenever we live, whenever we live, meaning when we eat, when we drink, when we sleep, and we go to work, without thinking about God, what does he describe us as? Brutes. He describes us as being brutish. Because we are now acting like an animal. Feeding, working, sleeping, defecating, feeding, working, sleeping, etc. We're brutish. God made man with a capacity to know you have a conscience inside you. Do you know what it's called in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27? It is called the candle of the Lord. You have something from God inside you in which you can recognize what God approves of and what God disapproves of and guide your life accordingly. Your conscience might even be different from the conscience of the man sitting next to you. But God's going to hold you accountable for your conscience because His candle is in you and you are to obey that conscience. And so we come to chapters like Romans 14 that tell us we want to honor other men's consciences and not offend them. And we want to make sure we follow our conscience. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So that's how we please God and walk before Him. Because He's put a candle inside you and me. And together we look at our candle light and we figure out what God wants us to do. God is knowable. And God made you with the capacity to know Him. As you grow older, your conscience and your spirits develop to where you can know God and others. An infant cannot know himself, cannot know anyone. All he has is the same instincts that an animal has. He screams for food and he bites those that feed him. And he defecates wherever he wants to. Just like an animal. But that child develops and grows, and that conscience comes into awareness. And that animals don't have this. That conscience comes into awareness, and that spirit develops within man, so that he is able to relate to to another spirit of another man, and he is able to relate to God, who has placed his spirit inside us. And he can speak to us, and we can hear his voice. And we can understand that there is a being in the universe 
that we haven't seen. See, little children reach the point where, oh, this is mommy. She's got the big, soft milk bottle for me. This is daddy. He's got the deep voice. And he reminds me to be good. I'll leave it at that. And then that conscience and spirit develops further, brethren. This is a blessing from heaven. God could have left us like the brute beasts. Be thankful He didn't make you a dog. Be thankful that He made us the way He has made us. And not only did He make us this way to know Him, but He has saved us to know Him. Do you know why He redeemed you? For you to know Him. Jesus would say in His final prayer to God His Father in John 17, as Thou hast given Him, speaking of Himself, power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him, Why? That they might know Thee and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Do you know the purpose for your salvation? It wasn't just fire insurance to save you from hell. It was for you to know God. Let's fulfill that purpose. Let's fulfill it today. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be Thou perfect. What is there to know? Look what Moses found in Genesis chapter 34. All the good character traits that God has. Isn't that why we love people here on earth? For the good character traits they have. They are so pleasant to be around. They are so pleasant to trust because they can be trusted so extensively because of their character. Well, God can be trusted infinitely better than any character you can trust on earth. And for those of you that are about to get married, you're going to find out things about the character of the person you're marrying that you haven't discovered yet. Just a little tip of wisdom from a married man. Do you know how much experience you have at marriage? None. Do you know how much I have? Some. Do you know what my sum says to you that have none? You're going to make little discoveries about character. But if you'll keep your eyes on the character of one of which the discoveries are only pure and perfect. And better than you thought, the discoveries of the character of the one you're married to will be okay. We hope. What is there to know? I don't want to distract you. And I want to finish real soon. What is there to know? I have much more. I don't get a verse like that in the middle of the night. And throw it away. What is there to know? Paul would pray in Ephesians chapter 1 after mentioning their election, their justification, and their quickening in context. He would say, I'm praying that God would reveal to you this and this and this and this. The riches of his goodness. The power that he put forth to save you. He lists those things. In chapter 3 he would say, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Don't you love wording like that? Does does wording like that just move you? I bow. This is the middle of a letter. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, by His power and might, through the Spirit, to know the full dimensions of the love of Jesus Christ. The more you learn about God and Jesus Christ, 
the more satisfied you will be and the more delight you will have. But if you fill your life, the 168 hours in a week, with the things of this world, it is so disillusioning and so hopeless, you might end up hanging yourself with a dog choker. Right, Adam? Not that Adam would. Adam saw one that did recently. There's hopelessness in the world. There is no hopelessness when you're walking with God. I am the almighty God. How big, do you, how big do you think your problem is? I know one thing. It's smaller than almighty. I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. What is there to know? We've made it this simple sometimes. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. This is great. This is great. You mean, in Hebrews 11.6, I know how I can please God? Yes. The reason it starts out with those words, but without faith it is impossible to please him, because it has just said that Enoch had this testimony before he was taken into heaven. He had this testimony before he was taken into heaven, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, is that what we're talking about today, is coming to God? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. The Lord's simple. He is. Do you know how you word that from his vantage point? I am. Are you? This is pretty simple. He is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I promise you on the authority of God's word, nothing about what I heard in the night except that verse. I promise you on the authority of God's word in Hebrews 11.6 that if you will pursue God this very day, he will reward you. But you pursue him diligently. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Don't make it a five-minute effort. Don't make it a whip, a, a, an insignificant expression from your heart. Make it the craving of a thirsty soul for God. Knowing God includes what he has done and created. Look at Psalm 143, just simply. These are simple points. But Psalm 143. Look at verse 5. I remember the days of old. I look back at what you've done in the past. Psalm 143 and verse 5. I remember the days of old. You need to do that. Because we tend to get lost sometimes in our present circumstances, forgetting all the good things God has done leading up to the present. Abraham needed to do that. To remember, David did. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I remember, I think, and I consider, and I go into detail about all that you've done. Psalm 143 and verse 5. We want to know God. The point I want to make here, what is there to know? We want to know Him personally. His character, His goodness, His works, His ways. We want to know Him personally. We don't want to just know about Him. Very easily we can turn our religion and we can turn our church into knowing about God, but not having a relationship with God. The relationship with God is a source of pleasure and joy and satisfaction and communication and exchange that you have 24-7. It is not just the ability to say, God is omnipresent, God is omniscient, God is eternal, God is sovereign, 
It's not just God has redeemed me. God has adopted me. God has propitiated me. It's the Lord Himself. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. His ways are included. But our object is Him, not His ways at the moment. It's Him, not His doctrine. We want a relationship more than a religion. One is fabulous, the other fatal. Just the religion is fatal. Men die in religion. But we want a relationship. We'll live forever. We want to seek His face, His presence, His fellowship, and His approval more than just His doctrine. Look at 1 John chapter 1 in case you didn't read it in my preparatory email yesterday. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 2 of 1 John 1. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. There is a family in heaven and in earth. The largest majority have already gone on before us. There is one family in heaven and in earth. God is the Father of them all. And we are all in fellowship together with the Father and with His Son. We are come unto Mount Zion to the spirits of just men made perfect. Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 for you to understand this? You know, John and the people he was writing were both alive at the same time. But we are in fellowship with them all together as the children of God. And these things write we unto you in verse 4, that your joy may be full. Your joy depends on this relationship. Your joy does not depend on another relationship. Other relationships will disappoint you. This relationship will not. This relationship will save you from the disappointment of other relationships. This is the relationship you need to emphasize. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, which is why he said to Abram, and be thou perfect. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Be thou perfect to have this relationship. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and that's not church fellowship. That's fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. This is the glorious relationship of knowing God. Contentment flows from this relationship. Hebrews 13.5 says that, she, that uh, let your conversation, let your lifestyle be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the basis of contentment. Amen. You won't be content with more silver, will you, Eric? The man who loves silver isn't content with more silver. Because he always wants more silver. The satisfaction of a soul is in its relationship with God. Contentment 
Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye already have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You've got me forever. Therefore, Asaph would say in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven or on earth? Beside thee thou art my portion forever, and thou art the strength of my heart and of my life. It is a glorious thing. Look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. To know God is so glorious, and we fail when our religion loses the personal relationship with God. We fail. We squander the grace that God's given to us when we miss our fellowship with Him and with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to read a few verses beginning at verse 1. I want you to see a man praying for it. If you pray for it like this, you'll end up in the verses that I'm working toward in verses 5 and 6. Verse 1, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. There's a man praying to walk before God and to have God as his friend and to be walking with God. Verse 4, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. That is the sweetness and the fatness of a fulfilled Christian life because they have put the emphasis on God Himself. O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. Above church, above Bible, above anything else is God Himself. And He can fill your life with marrow and fatness. How important is it? Paul said, I count all things but laws for the excellency of the what? The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Did he understand about know me and reflect me? Reflect me is nine verses later in Philippians chapter 3. Mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. Those that walk like me, because of the way I'm pursuing the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, make sure you're walking that same way. Jesus is coming with his mighty angels in flaming fire to take vengeance on them that... Know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for us to know God, His Father. To be accepted by God, His Father. To be adopted. And this glorious object of salvation shouldn't be lost. How can we know Him better? It is not hearing, believing, saying, reading. It's not doctrine. It is God consciousness. It is being conscious that God is before you, is with you, that you can trust and depend upon His every word, that you can speak to Him at any time, that He delights in what you're doing right this very moment. If you're doing it as unto Him and doing it according to His description, definition, limitations in the Word of God. We draw, look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. If you simply go out of here today and go home and find yourself a quiet place and cry unto the Lord... For Him to draw nigh to you and that you want to draw nigh to Him and that you are sorry that your relationship with Him has not been what it should be. We will have accomplished our purpose this day. 
Look at James chapter 4. I must begin at verse 4. I have to. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not the friendship of the world is enmity with God? When you play around with the world and are infatuated with the things of this life, you are committing spiritual adultery against Him. And if you think there is one being that is possessive and jealous, let me tell you something, it is someone else. It is God Almighty. I am the Almighty God, and my first and great commandment is that you will love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I will not give my glory or share it with another. And my name is Jealous, and that's with a capital J. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7, I believe. When you play around with the world, you offend God. When you get too excited about the things in your life, you offend God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that sounds like friendship when he's called your enemy? What did he say to Israel? Moses, step back. I'm going to consume them in a moment. I'm sick of them. They're a stiff-necked people. They love the things of this world too much. They talk too much about what they had in Egypt. They talk too much about what they're going to have in Canaan. They talk too much about what the nations around them have. I'm going to consume them in a moment. Because God's become our enemy. Because we become friends with the world. This world is the enemy of God. It is not the friend of God. There is no goodness or godliness in mankind. And when you are friendly with it, you offend God. We have to start in verse 4. Verse 5, do you think that the Scripture saith in vain? Do you think these words are wasted? The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? We've got a second problem in verses 5 and 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. How can I get closer to God? Right here, James chapter 4. Verse 4, separation from the world. Verse 5, humility. Verse 7, submission. Verse 7, resistance of the devil. Verse 8, repentance. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Get yourself clean and throw out of your life whatever is dirtying up your life. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Life is not a party until you're walking with the Lord. And until you're walking with the Lord, you should be mourning and grieving and being afflicted and cleansing yourself from sin. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Verse 10. That is how you get close to the Lord. Right there. Packed together, James chapter 4, verse 4 to verse 10. Right there is how you get close to the Lord. You say, well, I've got so many sins, how do I cleanse myself? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, hello? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you cleanse yourself. How long does that take? Not very long. Life is not a party until you're walking with Him. When He is the joy of your party, then life's a party. But life isn't a party till then. And if you're partying while you're not walking with God, it is a stench in His nostrils that you are happy. Pretending to be happy. Happy about the soap bubbles of this life when you're missing Him. This is James chapter 4. This is how you do it. If you want to know and be closer to anyone, you know how to do it. You pursue them. You learn about them. You please them. You invite yourself over. You know how you invite yourself over? 
Show me thy glory. If you won't go with me, I don't want to go. I will not let you go until you bless me. We seek it as David did. With requisite holiness. There's so many things that could be said in Psalm 101. David said, I will walk with a perfect heart. I will walk perfectly in my house. Psalm 101 verse 3. Remember, there are three clauses in that verse. I've taught it to you so many times. I will behave myself in a perfect way. In the middle it says, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Psalm 101 verse 3. We've got to approach God on His terms. And He is a holy God. So we come before Him with holiness. We get everything out of our life that is unholy. Be thou perfect. We pray for Him to reveal Himself to us. It's altering your priorities. What's the most important thing in your life? Change your priorities and make God the most important priority in your life. Delight in Him. Rejoice in Him. Ask for it like Moses did. Ask for it. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if ye being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask, how much more? I'm asking you a question. Jesus is asking us, and I'm asking you, how much more is God able to give to those that ask Him? How much more? I'm asking a question. I want an amount. How much more? Infinitely more. If we, being evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to our children when they ask, how much more is He able to give? Thank you, brother! But that doesn't sound like Matthew chapter 7. That sounds like Luke chapter 11. That's why we read the whole Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit. But in Luke chapter 11, it says, How much more is God willing and able to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And do you want to be filled with a burning heart and a passion for God and know that God is with you and have the love of God shed abroad in your heart? It's by the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 through 5. It's more than details, brethren. It's more than doctrine. It's experimental more than it's factual. Make it your obsession. He will abide in those that crave Him and who love Him and obey Him. He will come and make His dwelling with them forever, according to John 14 and 15. Be magnifical like David. The Lord loved David because David loved the Lord. And the two of them tried to outdo each other. I want to build you a house. No, I'm going to build you a house. Then I'm going to pay for the house. Then you are not going to lack a man to ever sit on my throne. Well, okay. Well, Solomon, if you will honor the God of your... We'll end with this. First Chronicles 28. If you think I'm making up one thing, you haven't read your Bible. First Chronicles chapter 28. He deserves better than this. A Wednesday night Bible study. The Heart of David. A sermon series. You want to know why David was the way he was? I spell it out for you. In pages and pages and pages. You people are faithful in taking care of me. I have tried to be faithful in taking care of you. There is so much material on that website. I will send you a little bibliography from our website of sermons on this subject. Because this is more important than almost anything that can be preached on. First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son... 
Okay, since the Lord's cut me off, and I've done everything that I can do, and I gathered with all my might to pay for the whole house. Thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Brethren, no man can come unto God but by Jesus Christ. He said so himself. Peter and John, though ignorant fishermen from Galilee, that when they opened their mouths, their accent gave them away as ignorant boys from a poor part of the country. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, when they opened their mouths and said these words in verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. The PhDs and THDs of the Jewish leadership looked on them and said, and knew, They had been with Jesus. May that be true of you and me. Sin separates us from him. Let us make sure that there is no sin separating us. And let us remember, as I close, Revelation 3.20 is ours, not theirs. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and it's a better voice than this, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. It's a better voice than that. It's the voice of our Savior himself. For without a Savior, the Almighty God is one terrible being. The Savior says, Seek ye my face. We should say, Lord Jesus, thy face do I seek. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Do you like having good bread and wine with a good friend? How about the high king of heaven? He stands at the door. By faith, let him in right now. Confess your, your infatuation with the world and may God be your portion forever. Your deliverer, your shield, and your exceeding great reward.